everybody. It's Chad Gordon here. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Leader Chat Podcast. Today, we're talking about psychological safety with Randy Conley. Randy is the trust practice leader at the Ken Blanchard Companies and is here to share some information about what psychological safety is and is not and how leaders can create and maintain psychological safety in their teams and organizations. Randy, welcome to the Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Chad. Thanks for having me. It's so, so good to have you here. Let's just dive right in. Can tell us, tell us what is psychological safety and, and why does it matter? Essentially, psychological safety is the level of security that someone feels in being vulnerable and authentic in their work environment. It's, it's you could say it's those taken for granted beliefs about how others will respond when you put yourself on the line. You know, so if you ask a question or you seek feedback or you, you know, you report a mistake or propose a new idea, it's how comfortable do you feel in doing that? Are you going to be welcomed and opened? Uh, You know, will people be open to that or will you get criticized or reprimanded? It's essentially how safe do you feel in speaking up? What would you say the opposite of psychological safety is? Fear, uh, concern, self-protection. Fear is probably the one that I would emphasize the most. You're just afraid to put yourself out there, to take a risk because you're going to get reprimanded or put down. It's just not safe to express vulnerability. Uh, so that that's really the opposite of psychological safety. There's so much discussion all the time, but more so now about you know whether it's the great resignation or just mm-hmm. you know people that are 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 looking elsewhere. And and I've seen a lot of research to say sometimes it's the pay, sometimes it's you know following a passion because now is the time. Right. But in a lot of cases, it's it's there's a disfat dis satisfaction with, with where they are and, and psychological safety can play a big role in that. So fear is a big part. I want to talk a little bit about where your expertise is really shines is in the trust world and psychological safety and trust are, are really connected. Well, um, you know, we talked about this before we recorded, you know, a psychological safe environment, it provides a, a breeding ground for trust and trust is something that I think we all want to be trusted and want to be viewed as trustworthy and also work with and for people that are trustworthy. So how do you see the links between psychological safety and trust? There are a lot of similarities and differences between the two constructs. And in many ways, it's sort of a chicken or the egg issue, right? Like what comes first? Do you need trust to um, allow psychological safety to develop? Or do you need a psychologically safe environment in order for trust to develop? And when people ask me that question, my answer is, Yes, you need both. They work hand in hand. And so here's some key similarities uh, and differences between trust. So, for example, uh, similarities and differences between psychological safety and trust, I should say. Um, With psychological safety, the focus is really on yourself. Do I feel safe in this environment? Whereas With trust, the focus is typically on the other person. Can I trust that other person? 
Uh, with psych safety, we tend to have a, a shorter time frame focus, you know, like what are the current dynamics within my, my work group, my team, you know, in this particular meeting, whereas trust, there's a longer time frame in focus uh, because trust is built through repeated actions over time. And psychological safety is more often applied in a group setting. You know, how do I feel within this group? Is it safe within this group? Whereas trust at its core tends to be more of a, a dyadic relationship, a one-to-one, you know, interpersonal relationship. So those are some key differences between trust. Some of the similarities are vulnerability. You know, can I be safe with this person? Do they have my best interest at heart? Can I open up? Can I put myself at risk? Risk is a similar construct between psych safety and trust. Um, So those, you know, they go hand in hand. Those are some of the similarities, some of the differences, and one breeds the other. So it, it can be really hard to pull them apart since they work so well together. Let's dig a little little bit deeper. So, you know, I think about myself uh, in, in, in the organization I work for, and, and I have leaders at different levels and people I work with across, you know, across different functions. How do, you know, how does somebody either in the leadership role or somebody that is an individual contributor, ultimately who's responsible for psychological safety and how can people from both of those frames kind of view this and, and their, their responsibility to it? It's definitely a leader's responsibility to foster an environment of psychological safety. Uh, because remember, we're talking about within a group context. And so whoever the leader is of that group, whether it's the supervisor, the leader, you know, senior leadership, when you look at the organization as a whole, leaders are responsible for setting the tone, setting the environment uh, that their team members are going to operate in. So I think the responsibility is clear in that regard. If that's the case, then I think we have to start saying, okay, well, if it's the leader's responsibility, then what are the dynamics? What are the factors they need to take into account to create a psychologically safe environment? So, you know, we could drill in. There's, uh, if you want to go there, there's five, you know, sort of key factors that leaders need to take into account when they create a psychologically safe environment. The first one is their own behavior. Leaders are always being watched. Leaders set the tone. Uh, You know, research has shown that bad news rarely gets transmitted up the hierarchy. You know, and team members are much more likely to reach out to their peers for help and support than they are their boss. So if leaders want to create that upward flow of information, they have to create a safe environment. And they can do that by three key behaviors. One, be available and approachable. Number two, explicitly invite input and feedback. You have to be explicit. You can't just assume that people feel like uh, they've been given permission to 
give their feedback. You have to explicitly invite it. And then third, the leader has to model openness and fallibility. So when people see that you are open as a leader and that you make mistakes just like they do and that you own up to your mistakes and, and that uh, it's okay to make mistakes and talk about uh, failure as a learning opportunity, it gives them permission to do the same. So being available and approachable, invite input and feedback and model openness and infallibility, those are three key behaviors uh, as it relates to leader behavior. There's four other factors that we can go into if you'd like, things around group dynamics, trust yeah. and respect, other factors. Uh, but just from the leader perspective, that's, that's the key one right there. That's great. And, and I was gonna, that was going to be my follow-up about elements of psychological safety. Give us some other, uh, other areas for us to, to focus on and look at. Yeah. So in addition to leader behavior, uh, we have to really look at the group dynamics. What, um, what are the in-groups and out-groups you know, within a particular group? Because they all exist, right? I mean, we know that from teams we're a part of. There's sort of the in-crowd and the out-crowd. What are the power? dynamics within the group? What are the norms within the group? You know, what are the typical roles or characters? You know, I find this really interesting. Within groups, Chad, have you ever noticed that there's like typical roles like, you know, the favored son or the golden boy or the black sheep of the family? Have have you noticed that in teams and groups, how we assume those roles? Yeah, absolutely. And you, it, 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 that, that absolutely can paint the way people act and react and, and communicate in that group. Exactly. So those types of characters or roles are very common in group dynamics. So we have to look at how does that create a safe environment or not? So that's group dynamics is, is sort of the second factor. The third, trust and respect. So we, we talked just a minute ago about sort of the chicken and egg issue between trust and psychological safety. Supportive and trusting relationships promote psychological safety. And if there is a lack of respect within a group, then people feel judged. They feel inferior. And so they just keep their opinions to themselves. So we have to foster a respectful and high trust environment. The fourth area is an interesting one that doesn't get talked about much in organizations, and it's this idea of practice fields. The the term practice fields was coined by Peter Singe in the early 90s in his work around learning organizations. You and I are both big sports fans, and what is the way that sports Sporting teams get better at how they perform in games. How, how do sports teams get better in their performance? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it comes down to a, a solid game plan. It yeah. comes down to executing on that game plan, but it starts on the practice field. It starts, exactly. it, but it starts also with, you know, there's a lot of elements there. It's, it's trust between the the players and the coaches. It's, it's yeah. a, a belief in, in, you know, the outcomes, but ultimately it's, it's a lot of practice and a lot of drilling. 
Right. And is it safe to make mistakes on the practice field? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's where you, you run the plays, you see what works, what doesn't work. It's a safe environment to experiment. You try new things. We don't have a lot of that in the world of business. There are certain industries. If you think of like um, airline pilots, they get to practice in a simulator, right? They get to go in. You can crash the plane all you want in the simulator. It doesn't hurt anybody. You can't, you can't practice when you've got a, uh, a plane full of passengers, right? How are we incorporating practice fields within our organizations that make it safe for people to make mistakes, you know, to learn? And so the more leaders can come up with simulations, tools, training sessions, whatever it may be to create that practice field, that creates a psychologically safe environment because people can make mistakes without being penalized. It's an environment of learning. So that's really the fourth factor. We've got leader behavior, group dynamics, trust and respect, uh, practice fields. And then the fifth one is having a supportive organizational context. So what that means is, do people have access to resources and information? to do their job, to answer their questions? Or is it a, you know, an environment of scarce resources where people are pitted against each other, right, to secure the, the resources they need to do their job? Does the supportive organizational environment foster shared experiences or a sense of togetherness and bonding? You know, are there clear organizational policies that govern fairness and ethics. So a lot of organizational governance, you know, kinds of issues come into play there. All of those things, all those five key factors create this environment of psychological safety. So it's a very holistic approach we have to look at if we want to create environments where people feel safe to, to be who they are to bring their best each and every day. A lot of stuff there, but I, I hope that that's you know, helpful and, and paints a bigger picture of what psychological safety looks like. No, I appreciate that, Randy. And I, I, it, it, it connects us to my next question. It's one of my favorite things in the world. You know, when you're in a, <laughs> in a group and you're like, raise your hand if you think you're an above average driver and then everybody in the room. <laughs> And this is one of those things that, that uh, either people clearly have the emotional intelligence to say, okay, I might be lacking here. I could do better. But I think a lot of people hope that they, they foster this in, yeah. in groups and the teams they lead. So without you know going into detail about specific people, just that posed the question to you, if our listeners wanted to do a kind of a self-check and, and, and assess their own level of psychological safety, you know, what would you have them do? I would have them reflect on some key questions. And so I'll, I'll rattle off a few questions that I think are really helpful for all leaders to consider. And your response to these questions will give you some insight into, are you 
sort of walking the talk, right? Are you behaving in a way that fosters a safe environment? So here's a good question to ask. How do you respond when team members make a mistake? Do you hold it against them or do you celebrate it as an opportunity for learning and growth? What, what's your reaction? So that's, that's a key one. How do you treat mistakes? Another good question is, would your team members come to you and tell you about another job opportunity that they have? Would they talk to you before leaving the organization? That's an interesting question to consider, right? Like, do you have a safe enough and trusting enough relationship that someone would come to you if presented with another job opportunity? Or would they just take that job and go, you know, take the money and run and, and put in their two weeks notice? Uh, I think another helpful question is, how do you respond to people when they bring up difficult issues or they point out mistakes that have been made by you or other team members, right? Do you react defensively? Do you shut them down? Do you um, deflect, you know, blame or make excuses or do you honestly thank them? For the feedback and say, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's examine that. How could we do better? Um, I think those are three great questions, you know, and we could, if we spend enough time together, we could brainstorm um, many more. In fact, uh, some time ago, I wrote a blog article on 50 ways to increase psychological safety. So, can I do a shameless plug for my blog? Absolutely. I was going to do that at the end. I always do that. At the end, but you can do that now and we'll let them know at the end as well. Okay. Shameless plug. Leadingwithtrust.com. Uh, anyone could go to leadingwithtrust.com and they could uh, search on psychological safety and they would find this article, 50 ways leaders can create psychological safety within their team. And it's just a lot of practical common sense, but not always common practice uh, behaviors and techniques that leaders can do to create psychological safety. So, uh, you know, I would encourage people to check that out. But asking questions like that, how do you treat people when they make mistakes? How do you treat people when they point out mistakes that you've made? Um, you know, would people come to you before they accepted another job? Uh, do people feel vulnerable and safe enough to admit to you that they don't know, right? That they don't know how to do something. How are they going to be treated? Uh, those are all great questions to ask yourself to, to really examine. Am I fostering a safe environment in my team or not? So let's look at this at a larger level. We've got time for just a couple more questions, but if you have the ability to impact what's going on at an organization beyond what we just talked about, which is, you know, kind of that one-to-one -one leader behavior, which we just talked mm -hmm. about, but 
what steps do we need to take as a whole to improve psychological safety in our organizations? I think it really has to start with each of us as leaders. I think we have to be the role model for how we want others to feel within the organization. So if we want our people to feel safe, we have to model the behavior of what that looks like. You know, so I I mentioned some of those earlier, like admitting mistakes, um, demonstrating vulnerability is a hugely important and powerful leader behavior that fosters psychological safety. Um, I'm reminded of Colleen Barrett, who was uh, the former president of Southwest Airlines. She took over after Herb Kelleher stepped down. And Colleen Barrett said something to the effect of people will respect you for your competence and your, you know, your abilities. They will love you for your vulnerability, for your authenticity. And when senior leaders in an organization can model empathetic, emotionally intelligent, humble, uh, caring leadership behaviors, there are few things more powerful than that. You know, and, and I, I think back over what we collectively as a human um, race, a human population have gone through uh, over the last 18 months with the COVID pandemic. This has been what I've called the great trust experiment for leaders. How are we responding as leaders to be empathetic towards our team members? Understanding that Our team members have gone through a gamut of experiences, a range of emotions, you know, from extreme fear to loss if if they themselves have lost loved ones, you know, as a result of the pandemic, to job loss, to extreme changes in the work environment, you know, going from working in the office to remote to maybe back into the office and just the crazy um, extremes, you know, that people have gone through. This has been a time unlike any other for leaders to step up and role model the types of behaviors and create the conditions that we want in our organization that allow psychological safety and trust and empathy and understanding, you know, to flourish. So it, you know, it's the old saying, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. It's, that's where it starts. It starts with us as leaders modeling the behaviors that we want to see within our teams. Leaders go first. We have to set the tone. And as we're seen by the numbers, as we're seen by the, 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 the people that are, that are much more mobile in the world, we, th- these are changes that have to become. They have yeah. to be the case because pay will only get you so far um, if you don't treat people right, there's only so much they can take. Randy, this has been such a great, fun conversation. Um, and I just want to end it with this. You know, we've, we've got such great listenership. And, and I like to pose this question at the end. If there's one thing 
that you want our listeners to take away from our conversation today, what would that be? It would be to not underestimate your personal influence within your team or organization. It's really easy for us as, you know, all of us are employees, right? So we, we all have bosses. Uh, even presidents and CEOs have to report to someone, right? It's always easy for us to kind of point the finger at the hierarchy and say, if only they would, you know, dot, 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 fill in the blank. Well, let's all look in the mirror and say, if only I would create a safe environment, if only I would give people grace and forgiveness, if only I would make it okay for people to express vulnerability or concerns. If we all did that, if we all focused on influencing those in our spheres of influence, we would have much safer and humane places to work. Love that. Randy, thank you so much. I promised that I would love you, let, let you do a plug at the end, of, but you jumped in with, <laughs> I'm still going to give you the opportunity. If people want to learn a little bit more about Randy Conley, the work you're doing, the great insights and research, even an upcoming book you have coming out with Ken Blanchard, where would you send him? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for this shameless plug. Um, you Google me, you can find me. It's really that simple. You can hit me up on Twitter at Randy Conley. You can check out my blog, leadingwithtrust.com. You can go to our company website, kenblanchard.com. Look me up there. Ken Blanchard and I do have a book coming out on uh, February 1, 2022, Simple Truths of Leadership, 52 Ways to Be a Servant Leader and Build Trust. And uh, if you feel so inclined to pick up a copy of that, we share 52 simple truths, one that you can work on applying each week of the year. You do those things, you will create a psychologically safe environment because servant leadership, trust, psych safety, they all go hand in hand. It's all about being a person who leads at a higher level. Randy Connolly, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us here on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. 